Hi, I'm Rennie. Welcome to another episode in Rennie's Food World podcast series. If you haven't done so already, please tap on the subscribe button so you never miss another episode of Rennie's Food World and the journey we take together. Comfort food. (laughs) Whenever we hear those immortal words, comfort food, our brains just literally go into overdrive of all the memories of different times when we've either been poorly or had a difficult day or it's been cold outside and we needed something just beautifully warming and we reminisce over those bowls of sausage and mash and onion gravy or that jack of potato with cheese and baked beans or that carbonara. But for me, comfort food is very simple, he put. Very simple. Dal and rice. Yeah, dal and rice. Or in India, we call it dal bath. A simple, simple dish that has given me comfort through some of the toughest times. Now, let's face it, right? The world is a really, really small place. We can travel from one side of the world to the other in no time at all. But we can also travel to the other side of the world in a blink of an eye with the power of the internet. And we can learn about different foods and learn about different cultures, like we're doing today on the podcast. Hopefully giving us an idea of different foods that could soon become a comfort food for us again. Another style of comfort eating. Now, dal itself, what is dal? Dal, the word, came from the Sanskrit word that effectively meant to split. And it was referring to the split lentil or pulses like chickpeas or kidney beans, the rajma. But whatever it made, and whatever these made, so long as it split, it became the foundation of dal. The only caveat to that is that in Indian cooking, all dried beans and lentils are considered to be dal anyway, so long as it's the main ingredient in the dish. Now, dal has a huge significance for me. Um, It has an emotional story behind it. With a time when I was... Well, my younger brother, in actual fact, was studying out in Dublin, in Ireland. And he lived in a house with seven other students. And it was an opportunity for me. There was an opportunity for me to actually go out and spend a few days with him. Now, my birthday, in actual fact, is the day before St. Patrick's Day. So I went out for my birthday weekend, which, as you can imagine, in Ireland was probably one of the best weekends of my life spending it with my brother my birthday in Dublin 
on St. Patrick's weekend. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that. I met some amazing people. But I also had some amazing food. And do you know what? That food was actually made by my, my little brother. He knew that my comfort food was dal and rice. Because as youngsters, mum would always make dal and rice. Dal bath. They should always have a little subji on the side or yogurt and pickles into a tali, making it kind of a bit more of a complex meal. But the basis of it was dal and rice. I loved it. All the different dals. Now my brother, he'd been out of college all day. The University of Dublin. And he'd come back home and I'd been out and about exploring the streets of Dublin, absolutely mesmerised by, by the place. It's, it's an incredible city and if you haven't been, go. I swear down, just get out there. When this pandemic is over, get across to Dublin. It is the most beautiful city. So vibrant and the people are outstanding. The food, well, that's another story. And you'll see that on my podcast later and my YouTube channel. But the dal my brother made that day was, well, it's something else. Because I'd gone upstairs to go and have a shower and bits and pieces, and I came downstairs to this aroma of this garlic and this this onion and ginger just cooking away. And I walked into this kitchen, and it was only a very, very, very small kitchen. For seven students to be sharing one small kitchen was a, a miracle in itself. But he cooked this dal off. And the smell and the aromas that I could get was this tempering that he was doing then. And I was amazed that my brother actually knew how to do this. He's, he's probably going to phone me up so when he hears this and, and beat me round the head. But yeah, my mum taught him as well. And both of us were able to cook and look after ourselves from a very young age. But that dal that he made, he poured this heavy amount of ghee that was laden with mustard seed and dry chili, cumin, curry leaf. He put a little bit of turmeric into it and also a little pinch of garam masala. And he'd actually poured that in through this lentils that had been boiling slowly mixing it all through and then pouring it out into a into a bowl waiting the steam off it was just you can picture it now and we sat there as brothers just eating and enjoying dal bark together and talking about our day him and his studies me and my trips and adventures around the streets and shops of Dublin and then obviously planning the celebrations for my birthday and the forthcoming events of St. Patrick's Day and I'm sure you can imagine how that ended up 
But we're talking about darling, we're not talking about uh, whiskey. Well, there we go. But Dahl also has a huge significance for me, for my health. Now, when dal or lentils are boiled, lentils and pulses, when they're boiled, they're very different to vegetables. Because vegetables, when they're boiled, they lose the majority of their nutrients. It's a complete opposite with lentils and pulses. When boiled, they're actually retained a lot of the nutrients that we need. Now, I needed a huge kick of highly nutritious food a couple of years back when I was really struggling, struggling through an illness that completely knocked me for six. You know, weight gain and weight loss in a rapid increase or decline can have some catastrophic effects on your body. And for me, it did. Now, I used dal and its nutritional values with its protein, its carbohydrates. It gave me vitamin B, folic acids. Most of all, it gave me the iron that I needed as well. I didn't go to excesses, but it was always there. It was there as a pick-me-up and it was there as that comfort food. But dal has been used in this way for centuries. Now we're talking probably back to the Bronze Age, about 3000 BC. Now we all know dal as you go down a high street curry house or you get an order a takeaway and someone in the in your household is going to order taka dal or they're going to order dal makhani now both of these dishes they were derived at two very different times in the time scale of dal you know what if the People of the Indus Valley civilizations back in 3000 BC had a clue that Dal Makhani was even a thing. I hate to think, actually, I'm excited to think about what creations would be eating now with the way that food developed and evolved over time. Back in 3000 BC, I mean, I I say 3000 BC because it was the archaeological finds in the, uh, it was an archaeological dig in the district of Haryana that they found starch granules of lentils, of peas, chickpeas, black gram, um, green gram. But these were recovered and uh, like found on the surfaces, interior surfaces of storage jars on that archaeological dig in the Haryana district of North India.
But if we start somewhere along that timeline, I suppose we can really look at Dahl as being part of a royal diet. Because without the royalty of our medieval India, medieval times, most of the dishes that we eat today wouldn't even be in existence. It was the royalty that either made it or broke it. And with Dahl, it was definitely a made. Because back in about 300 BC, it was a celebratory meal for the wedding of Chandragupta Mariah's wedding to um, a Greek princess, Helen of Troy. Now, there you go. Two different cultures being celebrated in their, on their wedding day through food that changed the world. And the food that was created was actually a bit of a masterpiece, to be honest with you. It was an amalgamation of flavors and spices with chunna, chickpeas, split chickpeas. That created gugni. Now, gugni is a dal dish that is enjoyed throughout the throughout India, but predominantly on the northeastern end of India and into Bengal, Bangladesh, where the dish today is eaten on street sides and stalls everywhere. I mean, it's beautiful to make. It's this um, black chickpeas soaked overnight um, into a beautiful soft chickpea and then cooked into it with green chilies, cumin, mustard seed, uh, in ghee, and brought together into this beautiful creaminess. Hand crushing some of these chickpeas or this chana before bringing it all together and actually enjoying it, funny enough, with puddies, bread, puffed round chapatis, deep fried, or with puffed rice as a as a gugni chart. Sometimes it's made with kima as well. Kima gugni. Now, if you, dal doesn't necessarily have to just be vegetarian or vegan. It can be mixed with meats, like small pieces of chicken or lamb, especially slow cooked lamb, because the process of cooking channa dal, especially, and it, this is a slow cooked process that was thought to have been. Um, a creation of Bim in King Varat's kitchen of the Mahabharat, who found that just by slow cooking a combination of different dals or lentils and pulses, it brought out a beautiful sweetness 
And that's where Pantsratna dal came from. Just a slow cooking mix of five dals in a deep earthen pot and just smothered and or, or garnished with a huge helping of ghee. That brings me on to kind of Pantsmal uh, dal. Pantsmal dal is also a huge favourite. It's around about the around about the time of uh, well the medieval Indian time of Mughal rule and royalty, and by the time Shah Jahan took over the throne, the court itself, the royal court, had its own Shahi Banchmal Dal recipe. But it was always there on the royal table always dal was always there on the on the world table in the form of panchmal dal atur dal and it was made from channa but it was it was the combination of the different lentils the five different lentils that were available in pulses in different degrees and ratios but slow cooked but the art of it to to elevated to a different taste each day and to give that variety on the royal table was to use a different tempering and therefore giving it that distinction now mung dal green green gram is also enjoyed throughout India in the form of Moradabadi dal. Now, Moradabadi dal is, um, well, first became like prominent when the son of Shah Jahan established the city of Moradabad in 1625. Now, he was a firm lover of Turdal, which I am. I love Turdal. But he wanted to create something a little bit more satisfying. He wanted to create something that was lighter. And so he challenged his chefs. And it was only by fluke and only by chance that what they created was this dal that is enjoyed everywhere as a light snack, a lighter variety of dal because of its slow cooking process. It literally, it was just low and slow for hours and it resulted in this slightly sweet, smooth finish but it was jam-packed full of flavour with the tempering of chopped onion, green chilies, and then a sprinkling of amchor, the beautiful amchor, which is mango powder. The prince loved it that much that he just literally wanted it on the table all the time. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. You name it, wanted it. 
But Dahl itself has come a long way. And I mentioned right at the beginning of this about Dahl Makani. Now, to me, there's a there's a chef and a restaurant that has that we owe a lot to in the modern day Indian cuisine. And that's the Moti Mahal in India. Now, Kandalal Gujral, as you all know that name, created the famous, the infamous, the one and only butter chicken. As we know it today, the Western butter chicken. However, not a lot of people realise that he was also the creator of Dal Makani. Now, it already created this beautiful, decadent, creamy-based gravy for the butter chicken. But he decided to kind of combine that because what he wanted to do, he wanted to create a dish that was as good as that, that butter chicken for non-veg eating, for meat eaters. But he wanted to create a dish for vegetarians that was also also as as creamy as as decadent as hearty a meal, but pure vegetarian. So he took that base gravy that he had created for the uh, for the butter chicken, and he combined that with black udded beans, udded dal, black ground, channa and rajma, kidney beans. The combination is, to this day, an absolute genius masterstroke. Because Dal Makani was born. And that's a dish that Kali Dal, Dal Makani, call it what you, what you wish, it's a dish that is enjoyed throughout the world, but Punjab especially, is you go to any household and it's used as almost a celebratory dish of dal. You'll have dal every day as a staple diet, as part of the staple diet. Lentils, pulses, dal is a staple part of the diet throughout the Indian subcontinent and especially up in Punjab where the farmers produce the majority of lentils. And as a nation of India, as a nation, it's one of the largest producers of lentils and pulses across the globe. So we have a lot to thank for our farmers. And it's it's those farmers that enjoy Dal Makani. Ladled with huge helpings of makani butter pure butter i remember going to india as a youngster and sitting at a roadside dabba like with my tales of the masala dosa i sat there with a bowl full of dal makani and a bowl full of Sassandisag, spinach and mustard leaves. But I had this little bowl and it was full 
a packet of butter. Well, I looked at it. I, I, I looked at the driver who was driving us and who sat at the table with us. I looked at my family and I said, what am I going to do with this? Put it in. They were all laughing. Put it in. Put the butter in. So I did. I had a little taste of the dal and the sarg beforehand, but wow, this muckany in that Kali dal, this butter and black gram. Whenever I think of comfort, that's where I go back to. That was literally the dish that changed my perception of comfort food. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Have a cool, cool of a day. Don't forget to tap that subscribe button and share it on Instagram. Hashtag Rennie's Food World.